Once again, happy Friday. It's always my favorite day of the week because obviously it's the start of the weekend, but it also means a new podcast episode. So this week's episode is a sweet treat, literally, because it is with Amy Lund of The Doe Lady again. I released her initial Freedom to Fail episode last year, so it seemed like it was about time to release her year one episode. And obviously for me, since I love baking and I am planning on opening my own place here this year, this was a very good one. So hopefully you guys find some inspiration and little nuggets if you're in this industry. But even if you're not, then take the lessons that you hear here and apply them in whatever way you can for your own industry. So without further ado, here's this week's episode of Year One. One of the greatest skills you can have is to work hard and be ready to work. And I'm sure that a lot of people say that, but I had absolutely no idea how time intensive owning your own businesses and how time intensive it is to try to grow something. Be ready to work really hard and be ready to work a lot if you want to grow it. My name is Kyle and you are listening to a special episode of Freedom to Fail that I call Year One. These entrepreneurs are kind enough to share exactly what they would do if they were starting their business today with the knowledge they have learned along the way. This includes specific actions of everything from testing and launching your product to marketing it and having customers come back for more. I want to pull back the curtains on how a successful business is started so that you can do it too, regardless of your personal background or current finances. Because if owning a successful business is your dream like it is for me, then I want to give you all the tools necessary to make it happen. So let's get started. Okay, so we are here now back for the year one section, which I'm super excited about because my mind always works at like 150 miles an hour when it comes to just like business stuff. And I could talk the actual logistics of business all day, every day. So this is where I thrive and I just get so excited. So let's talk about year one with Doe Lady, kind of what you would do if you were starting over again that first year. So let's go back to like before you would even launch it, coming up with kind of an idea and then just like testing it, pricing it out, all that kind of stuff. So what would you do if you were to go back and do it all over again to test your idea and make sure that it actually was viable for the consumers? I don't know that I would necessarily do anything different for launching it. I would say the one thing that comes to mind, and this is pretty minor, is I used to sell them as just nine packs. And it took me a long time to launch four packs of them. And so I would say just like diversifying the amount that I sold because it was just like a nine pack and done, which like that is so rare that somebody's going to buy full nine. Like we hardly sell any nine packs anymore. It's all four packs. So I would say like thinking through more what I would buy as a consumer and then launching that rather than just saying, well, one batch makes nine. So that's what I'm going to sell. Yeah. Okay. Definitely thinking about from the consumer side of it is very helpful with it. When you started it initially, did you do any like product testing before and get feedback from people about the recipes and everything? Yeah, I did. And I was really nervous too, because I was so nervous if they weren't going to like it. (laughs) But I did. um, I did a lot of recipe testing actually before I kind of tinkered it to make sure that it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And I dropped it off at a lot of people's houses. And I think the main thing for me was crowdsourcing to ask if they would pay that amount. Uh Like I think more, um, cheaply, I guess. And so I, and like, it's not the cheapest product on the market. And so I was just curious if people would buy it. And so that's 
um, a lot of the crowdsourcing that we did was testing the recipe, make sure that they like it. Also, would you pay this amount? So did you have like a specific number in mind with that? And you would say, this is what yeah. I'm thinking of selling it for. And uh-huh. this is it. Okay. Yep. Cool. How did you get to that number? Cause that's another crucial part, obviously making sure you price your product, right? So it's sustainable. Yeah, for sure. Eric helped a lot with that. He, I mean, he priced everything out down to the penny for what rolls cost. And then we decided what margin we felt comfortable with and what margin for the work we felt like, um, was worth it. Obviously we don't want to price people out. We don't want to like make it too expensive, but it has to be. What was the margin that you guys found was right that you were looking for? I can't remember. (laughs) I honestly can't remember. He's the numbers guy. I would really have to look at that. Uh Maybe don't put that in. I don't know. (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) No, it's raw. And it's, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. That's why you team up with someone who does what you don't do well. So yeah, Eric's really amazing with numbers. I am not. (laughs) Yeah. For me, when, when I was going and doing like the cookie testing and everything, I have a a couple of friends who own some bakeries and Mm -hmm. like some donut shops and stuff. And they were telling me just kind of to put it out there. If you're thinking about like bakery stuff, you want to have your margin, your food costs around like 25 to 30%, 20 to 30%. If it's above that at all, it'll be tough because it is so high intensive, like Uh amounts of labor. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of a range as far as like cookies and things like that. So it's probably similar. It's probably similar. We'd have to go check what the updated margins (laughs) are at this point in time. (laughs) So after that, like you obviously had that number and you kind of launched it with that. Has your pricing stayed pretty consistent or have you had to adjust it along the way? We've had to adjust it along the way. I think especially right now, there's a lot of ingredient shortages, like flour and eggs are just an absolute nightmare. And they're um, like, everything has just kind of gone up a little bit, but like, overall that contributes quite a bit. And I think, you know, we obviously had to factor in time spent doing it. I think, I mean, we've made a price increase since then, but people have been really supportive and kind over it. Yeah. So, okay, let's go back to the launch again. So we know obviously a little bit about kind of what you did the first time around. If you were to go back and do it all over again, what would be your launch strategy? Like, how would you approach that? as far as kind of marketing it, getting the word out and just all that kind of stuff. I would probably spend a little bit more money in marketing. I mean, I think again, like we caught a pretty lucky break for somebody with a lot of clout on Instagram posting about us, but um, I'd probably spend a little bit more time putting together like people on social media who could try it out and post about it because I mean, a couple months later, like that's been a really awesome thing for us is like our word of mouth is almost like people just posting about us on Instagram, which has been really great. So I would say I I would put together a list of people who can vouch for the product and then um, build up a little bit more hype around the actual launch of it. Cause we just kind of willy nilly went for it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's how a lot of people do it, obviously. And it can be successful because I mean, you've shown it can be successful and a lot of other people have too. Yeah. But there are definitely other things too. Like, I mean, you were telling me you listened to like Tristan's podcast episode that I did with him. Yeah, it was awesome. One thing that he does really well that it just blows me away is like, he is the king of creating hype. Yes, he is. Like monthly drops and he'll send out press boxes to different people that really get them talking and then sharing naturally too. It's not, he doesn't have to say, Hey, please share this on your stories at all. It's just like 
this is something that is so cool. I want everyone else to see it. Mm-hmm. And so doing something like that too, like if you have a product out there that is for consumers that you can make exciting, like, I don't know if you have a plunger, maybe you could find something <laughs> cool to do, but I don't know <laughs> if it's like some sort of really cool food experience or like a product that is direct to consumer, like try and find ways to make it stand out and then, yeah, like that's a strategy that he's done well. And yeah, a lot of people that I've talked to do that same sort of thing where they like just give out like press boxes or just send it to influencers and stuff like that to drive word of mouth and everything like that. Yeah, too. yeah definitely. Pause really quick. Yes. I have somebody coming for a pickup. I just okay. have to put it in the cooler. Deal. And we are good. Perfect. Now, I'm going to include that in this podcast for sure. Not with obviously the whole break, but literally she just paused me. She told me to pause so that she could go and put some product out for a customer. And that's the kind of dedication that is amazing when it comes to like a business owner and all that stuff. So I love that. Got to get their dough, you know? Exactly. Okay. So that is definitely one one of the really good ways that you can do it when you're first launching, getting the word out with influencers and everything like that. Mm -hmm. What are some other types of marketing strategies or marketing channels that you guys either have used or have thought about using that might work as well to drive traffic? To be honest, we have built our entire business through Instagram and most recently LinkedIn. I know that there's a lot of different marketing channels. I mean, when I worked on the brand team for a company, we were like pretty fully into a lot of paid advertising. And I think when you're starting out, social media is like the best bang for your buck anywhere. It's free too. It's free, but like you can also sponsor posts and like we Mm. gain a lot of followers through sponsored posts. We choose our audience and you know, we've, we've built it through there. I would say we've found um, most of our catering orders via LinkedIn. So how do you use LinkedIn to do that? Like, do you just connect with a bunch of people and then just like message them or kind of how does it come about? I think the really great thing about Utah is that they're just such a champion of small business owners. And so I've posted a couple times about quitting my job and following this pipe dream that I have. And, you know, that got a lot of engagement and a lot of people wanting to order. And then I've posted about our first big catering order that we did with Qualtrics. Um, I posted about that. And from there, we got a lot of people asking about how they could get it at their company. So it's just like, it's such like a niche channel to target business owners for catering Mm -hmm. that's been really great for us. And like, it's going to be different for everybody, right? Like if catering isn't something you want to do, or if you don't have a product that you're trying to market to businesses, that's probably not the right channel for you. But for us, we've built everything on Instagram with Instagram ads. We, we really haven't spent that much money on marketing. It's all been word of mouth and like kind of like a hype of social media, which has been so great. (laughs) So when you use Instagram to be able to uh, grow your business, Do you have like a specific strategy in place of like what you post or uh, like is a lot of the stuff that you post stuff that you create or are they like user generated content or? Uh, It's, it's kind of both. I mean, most of it is stuff that I create. I, I'm really particular about branding and Mm -hmm. the brand and the voice of the brand. I mean, it's something that I worked in and feel very strongly about, but so I think like I'm very conscious about like a brand personality and we, I don't do a ton of regular posts. That's like pretty far and few in between. My main thing is stories. Like that's how I, that's where I get the most views on it. Um, I mean, we'll sponsor posts here and there, basically every post 
half the posts we do are sponsored, but um, most of what we do are stories to try and get people to order, or we're posting stuff about like the product videos and behind the scenes. And I think that people can resonate with stuff like cool. that. I want to touch back more on the catering side of it too, sure. because obviously that is a big potential moneymaker for anybody yeah. who's in this kind of space. Yeah. So what would you say has been, I mean, obviously using LinkedIn obviously is a really good way to connect with other businesses who may want to do mm-hmm. catering thing, but what have you found to be successful in the catering space? I have run like different promotions on if you get your company to order, then we'll give you a type of gift card. I also just through um, places that I've worked, I know a good amount of small, not, not small business owners. I know a good amount of people who work at big companies mm-hmm. in Utah, I guess, who know the people, the right the person. People yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of like reaching out to friends, like, hi, do you want me to come to your company and who can I get in touch with? And FYI, like I'll give you a gift card if you mm-hmm. do it. So it's been a lot of personal outreach. It's something that we're honestly still trying to develop. I mean, I, I've started a list of companies that I want to reach out to, to try to find the right people. So that's, um, most of it's just come to us, which I feel very, very lucky for, but, um, right now we're working on trying to scale that to reach out to yeah. them more. And as far as pricing goes with catering, mm-hmm. are your prices the same for like direct to consumer and catering or what are the differences that you like, what are the extra things that you charge for and stuff? Yeah. I mean, we charge a different price for dough uh, than we do for baked rolls. So, mm-hmm. um, the baked roll is the same across the board, whether we're doing a pop-up or whether we're doing catering, but for catering, we charge auto gratuity on it as well as, um, a catering delivery fee. Cause it's usually a little further and it's honestly catering is just a lot of work. Yeah. And so, and companies luckily have the money to spend on catering. Yeah. And with that, do you guys do any contracts or anything with those companies or have you explored that at all? We haven't. No, that's not something we've done, but great idea. We can look into (laughs) it. I've just always, I've, I've heard of a few other companies that say like, Hey, we'll come in every third week of the month and we'll drop it off and you don't have to worry about it. So I was just wondering if that was something that you guys done. No, but what a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then also I just wanted to put this in, this is something, so I'm in the process still of developing my storefront for my little cookie shop and everything. So I've been meeting with a couple other people like business owners, bakery owners and everything. And one of them, he owned a couple locations of a very successful bakery here in Utah And he told me that his biggest suggestion, if you're getting started anywhere, like even if you want to sell direct to consumer, he said, catering and B2B will be the Mm -hmm. lifeblood of your business. Like that will keep you going because that is where you can make the cash flow necessary to keep everything just moving. Yeah. And so he said the best way to do it is go out individually, like find a list, like what you were talking about, a list of like the companies that are like your dream clients or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Or even just like companies close by that in industries that you know meets together a lot. Like, I don't know, there might be some that don't do meetings, but for example, like car salesmen or just like any other sort of sales teams that get together to go over things. Oh yeah. Finding those industries. And then he was just like, get samples together, like a little plate, even if it's only like two, like three or four of them. And then just go and like drop them off with a business card and be like, Hey, like, this is something that I want. Um, I'm just starting up this business. We, we're new here in the area and we want to be able to 
provide you guys with this service. Yeah. And if you sign up with us, then like long-term, then we'd be happy to do the first one for free or mm. like some sort of discount or something like that. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. something that I've learned that I'm definitely going to do. And then also just like for the listeners out there, like I wanted to share what I'm learning on my journey too yeah, with it. Totally. Too, totally. Because obviously catering for you has been a really big thing and a, a new growth channel that you guys have been. Yeah. It's, too. it's honestly been a game changer for yeah. us. So Definitely keep that into my Love in that. mind. Yeah. I want to go back to your product now. So we talked earlier in the main podcast about how you had did the same dough. You now do the same dough across the board to uh-huh. make it simple for just like mass producing it and yeah. for being able to grow and expand with that. Is that something that you always did like from the start? Yeah, it is. I think um, I always knew that I wanted to have the same dough base okay. because just cranking out that many, I thought there's no way, like if I have to do one of one flavor, I yeah. would just rather topple over because I just can't mm-hmm. like it, it takes too long. Like cinnamon rolls are just so time intensive. You have to be able to streamline it where you can. And for us, like it was fillings. Okay. So with that being said, what are some other strategies, strategies that you, you guys use now to be able to kind of streamline the process because obviously that's one big thing that can save you a lot of time and you obviously want to make sure that i mean we're not big enough to have these insane hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> machines that can do the same thing just like over and over and we yeah. have to do it by hand yeah so what are some things that you do to make sure that everything is very similar but also speed up the process too yeah there's a couple things i would say just the first thing is over time you just get faster at it like Mm -hmm. that's been one of the biggest things is just learning to be efficient on your own the second thing was buying equipment to be able to do that so i mean you're sitting in my kitchen now like we used to roll out on this tiny counter right here we would do four batches at once and now i'm able to do a lot more because i have an industrial mixer um, I also moved into an industrial kitchen, so they obviously have a lot of equipment that I don't have. Um, and the next step is to buy uh, like an industrial dough sheeter to just slide the dough through so mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm not physically rolling, rolling it. it so I think a lot of it comes with like cost, but it's that mixer. I mean, I know it sent me into a panic attack, but it's been, it is my baby. I'm so obsessed with it. I couldn't be more grateful <laughs> that I have it. Cause yeah, it makes everything more efficient. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say that same thing too. Like I think a lot of times when you start a business and for good reason, you're super worried about the cost and you want to keep it. Sure. Oh yeah. But also time is the end all be all. And if you time can is money. save time, then it is so worth it to invest what you can to get good proper equipment to make the job go a lot quicker. Yeah. And it's still like a, it's, it's trial and error with figuring out how to be more efficient. I mean, even like making larger batches of frosting at the start of the week, like that's been a game changer. I mean, there are so many things that I'm still learning that I think, wow, how did I not do that before (laughs) this? How did I not own this to make my life that much easier? So yeah. Right. Yeah. All the little lessons you learn along the way. Yes. Oh boy. So You started in your kitchen Mm -hmm. and you were doing it all here. And then you said you just moved to an industrial kitchen, right? Yeah. So to just paint a little picture, I, this area is what probably 500 square feet. And I, um, it was honestly completely taking over my house. So I had, I replaced my kitchen table with two massive industrial tables. I had an industrial mixer in the corner. Um, I had ingredients stacked underneath my counter on shelves. My spare bedroom was like packaging and ingredients. And it just like, 
had completely overtaken my house and just the area. So we just moved it into an industrial kitchen uh, probably two months ago. And I was nervous about it. I, again, I'm a nervous Nelly. Apparently it was just, it felt like another big step. It like felt like purchasing another mixer because obviously like there's rent involved and there are, um, like I have to set more of a schedule. I can't just like wake up and bake. Like I have to actually, you know, plan it. And that just felt crazy. But it's been it's been amazing. So what was it that motivated you to take that leap? Like was I guess I guess the other question, the better way to word it is what was holding <laughs> you back from taking that leap before you moved into it? Fear. Always. Okay. It's always fear that I think holds me back. It's okay. always like I'm I'm so in my head of I'm not big enough. To I'm do not it big or enough. Something. Why would I like why would I do this? It's totally fine out of the kitchen. Why would I pay rent somewhere when I can just like keep it here? But at the end of the day, it was taking over our house. It was it was wild. <laughs> Anybody who came here was just like, what is happening? But, um, it, it was a scary leap to take, but I think ultimately we just, we had to, it made the most sense. We were completely sure. outgrown. Yeah. That, that is the way that it goes yeah. very quickly in something like yes. this. When you're doing. Yeah. And it's the best money that you'll spend. I'm not going to lie. It it's is. not cheap. It's it is not, not cheap because I did one down in Springville and I can't even imagine in the Salt Lake area what it is. But. It's wild. I got really lucky. I subleased from a meal prep company and they um, let me share their rent and it's been amazing. Yeah. It's one of those things that is going to give you a panic attack when you see how much it costs. For sure. But also the amount of time that you can save with their big ovens. Like the, <laughs> I had never used a convection oven. I didn't know what those it's were. 10 out of and 10. So it's just, level 10 fun. <laughs> it's crazy. And so, yeah, it's definitely worth it to look into those and move in there as soon as you can. You obviously yeah. don't want to bet the house on it before you've yeah. proven the market. Sure. And so that's why it's very smart the way that you did it. You yeah. grow naturally until you get to that point where you outgrow it yeah. instead of just jumping the gun. Yeah, for sure. It's something that we can afford now and it's a great thing that we're able to pay for. And ultimately at the end of the day, it helps us grow. So it's, it's worth the cost. So I'm curious for our listeners out there, if you can give them a little bit of idea as to number one, where you found, like how you found your commissary kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also about like food suppliers and stuff, because if yeah. you're doing something in food, <laughs> that is the key is yeah. making sure that you can get the ingredients and do it at a reliable price. Sure. So what have you guys done for that? So I found the kitchen because I was desperate to find an oven. We were, um, I had an event that we were baking some rolls for and we started doing more pop-ups and we, it just wasn't sustainable. And my oven, it was taking hours. We would wake up at like three or four in the morning to start baking. And that is crazy town. So I knew it just kind of happened through people that I knew. I knew somebody who knew somebody who worked at the kitchen and she said, I think that they would be into letting you use it on, on like a, an occasional basis. Mm -hmm. So I would go in there. I started using it just like once a week or, you know, once a month, um, for things that I needed. And then from there I was like, would you let me sublease it? So it, it honestly, it happened really it was a blessing how it happened because I don't have to share it with a ton of people. It's just me and the other company, which has been great. Cause a lot of, you know, other kitchens around their shared there kitchens like and it's eight, crazy. Yeah. There were eight companies where I was working. Yeah. And storage insane. is hard. And like here I have my own storage room. I have, you know, I, I get, I brought in some freezers. I have part of the fridge. Like it's, it's been amazing. Ingredient wise, 
it's crazy, but I still buy most of my stuff from Costco. Costco. Okay. Yeah, That's it's, what I do. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, for right now, food suppliers are actually a little bit more expensive. You're kind of paying for, um, the convenience of it, which is nice. But right now I have, you know, at that kitchen, I have a big walk-in fridge that I can store a lot of things for a long time. So I can buy things in bulk at Costco and that's where we get them. Eggs and flour are really tricky. So shout out to my mother-in-law who's been buying them in Idaho and bringing them down to me. I love you. I got all of the workarounds for sure. It's hard. You got to be creative as an entrepreneur. You really do. So shout out to the people who find flour and buy it for me and I go pick it up. Well, I just remember (laughs) eggs back in the day when I think it was like 2019. No, when was it? Because I started it in 2020. Mm -hmm. So it was like fall, end of summer or fall 2020. You could get 60 eggs for $5 from Walmart. Get out. And then I just remember last year, it was like 740 So it was like up, what is that, 50%? My math is not very good either. But it, it had gone up so much in a year. And I don't even want to know what it is now. You but. want to know something? For medium eggs, I found at just the local grocery store, it was like 30 eggs for like $15. And I said, I'm so sorry. Absolutely not. not, not over my dead body. So prices are a little wild. I would like to talk to the people who are pricing things because there was... <laughs> I like to talk to the manager. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of better price eggs and smaller packages. But anyway, it's 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 been weird. It's a weird time to own a bakery with all the shortages and For sure. it's been a good time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I'm curious about your your guys' strategy moving forward, obviously. like you have, You still, I'm sure, get a ton of new customers all the time who are finding you. But how is it that you guys get old customers or existing customers to come back? Because that is the most efficient way, obviously, and the, the most economical way to, to grow your business. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a couple things. I mean, we actually have quite a few returning customers. I think like it's about 50-50 new customers versus returning. Okay. And uh, I think one thing... I mean, the first thing is to have a really good product. So like people are only going to come back and buy it. You're fighting for, you know, their monthly budget of food that they're trying to buy. So, um, you have to have a really good product, but I also think like we've tried to create a really, um, friendly experience for people. So, you know, it's a blessing and a curse to take orders through DMS, but like the blessing is I genuinely feel like I'm friends with everybody that orders like they're excited. So I'm excited. And so like, you know, you can match their energy of excitement. And I mean, the whole process is done through DM, which I know is wild, but that's, that's how we've done it. And it's how we've built our brand is just through friendly and kind interactions. Like I hope that everybody leaves feeling like they're our friend because they are, we're just so happy that they're here. That is one thing that I've learned. I can't remember who it was, but someone said that they did a very similar thing. And what they would do is every time they, they could, all, you can obviously only do that for a certain amount of time. Oh, but once you for sure. Past a certain point, it's just, we're at our limit, but sure. yeah. <laughs> but once you do that, like when you're first getting started, the reason that people are going to come back to you is because they build that connection with you. Mm-hmm. And so I wish I could remember who told me this, but they were saying that with their company, what they would do is they would sell the product and then just like have the product or have the customer follow them on Instagram and everything. And then they would reach out to the customer about the product and ask mm-hmm. about the experience and just open up this dialogue with mm-hmm. the customer. And yeah. then like you would only, they would only go back and forth a couple of times. But number one, that is a very smart way to get feedback directly from the customer. For sure. 
Number two, the customer feels valued because it's not just like a one-off copy-paste message, but yeah. they're actually interacting with you. Uh-huh. And anytime a brand interacts with me personally, I'm like, wow, they actually like know their stuff. Like they care about me. So yeah. I'm way more likely to go back to mm-hmm. them. So. Yeah. Well, and we've kind of done that. Like when we launch new flavors and we have, we have some returning customers who order quite a bit and it's, it's really fun to ask their feedback on certain ones and they'll give us their yeah. feedback, which I like, I love, you know, some people don't like certain flavors and that's great. Like some flavors are more their cup of tea and that's awesome too. So it's like, it's been really fun to kind of chat with people and chat through it because they get excited about flavors and we get excited and then we can kind of Exactly. Bombed over it. I don't know. <laughs> so what are your strategies moving forward? Obviously, it's been now past the year, so right. year one doesn't apply. <laughs> but what are some of your strategies moving forward for efficiencies? For example, the one that comes to mind is obviously you can't take orders from DMs for forever. <sighs> no, Have we you guys cannot. thought about what you're going to do to transition that to a more sustainable process moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we're really close to taking orders through website, but I think as far as efficiency goes, hiring more people is where we need to get more efficient because Mm -hmm. I mean, even when I just have a couple more pairs of hands, it's crazy what we are able to do. And that frees up more time for me to be able to do things on the business that I've neglected or need to do like a website. So I think moving forward, it's, it's definitely just hiring. Cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Another question that I have just about like repeat customers and stuff like that. Do they post a lot about your guys' product when they get it? They do. I mean, like the fun thing about our product is you're baking it at your house and you can pull it out of the oven and people are so pumped to frost it. And we include creams and frostings in it. So we get a lot of videos of people pouring over the cream before you bake it and frosting it. And like, it's just kind of an Instagrammable <laughs> product, I guess. So we've been really lucky See, in that sense. I think that's super smart in that way. Yeah. Because number one, they are, they're really enjoying it. Like it's a fun experience. And number two, because you created something that is shareable, Mm -hmm. you create this entire, I guess, just like network or just base of like user generated content all the time. And so it just is like a a web and it constantly is growing and growing because that person has 20 other people who see it and they've never heard about you and all that stuff. So that's really smart. It's been awesome. I mean, I think if Instagram went down for a day and we were like, oh no, (laughs) we have like we have no other form of communication, yeah. but it's it, nice because it's a hub of where people come. They mm-hmm. order there and they also post about it, which has been awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And very important for sure with it. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing that I want to talk about in this last, in the year one section yeah. is about skills that an entrepreneur needs to have to be able to be successful because there's a lot that you have to learn along the way. I don't know if what experience you had in business before, but I am sure you have had to learn a ton about everything when it comes to business. You know, it's funny because I I used to work for a chamber of commerce and we, we started these small business programs to help business owners learn how to run their business. Cause often you're really great at a trade, but you're not great at running the actual nitty gritties of a business. And, um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned and can empathize with other owners is how much work it is. I think one of the greatest skills you can have is to work hard and be ready to work. And I'm sure that a lot of people say that, but I had absolutely no idea how time intensive owning your own businesses and how time intensive it is to try to grow something. Um, because I'm always working and you know, you obviously have to take time off too, but 
be ready to work really hard and be ready to work a lot if you want to grow it. 100%. Hard work trumps all for sure. Yes. So, hard work. I yeah. mean, there's that one cliche quote. I don't know who it's by, but <laughs> hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Totally. So. I, I also think you have to be kind of resilient mm-hmm. to um, everything that's happening because it's like, it is a grind day in and day out. Like it's really hard work. And so you have to be willing to get up and do it again. I think that's the, the most important takeaway actually for me. What I would say is you have to be willing to do it again. And if you're not willing to do it again, you have to seriously reconsider why you're doing what you're doing or if you really want to be doing it at all. Yeah. Cause I mean like during the holidays I would go to bed after a 16 hour day and I would lay in bed nervous to go to bed because I had to do it again yeah. the next day. And like you, you have to, you have people's money who have already paid and like they're counting on you to put out a product in a certain amount of time and yeah. you have to do it again. It is very mentally draining to be an entrepreneur sometimes, it but sure it also you have to be just mentally tough to be able to do it. You do. And yeah. the good thing about it is you don't have to start a business by being mentally tough. What I've no. learned is that you learn that along the way. Oh yeah. So Ignorance if you're not bliss. ready now, like it's okay. Yeah. You're, you don't have to be perfect right now. Well, and if you, yeah. if you're scared, it's for a good reason because it is terrifying, but it'll get better and easier along the way. Yeah. And there will always be new fears and new challenges, but just by going and doing it, you're building up the skill set that you need to be able to be successful. And I think like as humans, we're just really adaptable and yeah. like you will adapt to the amount of work that you're doing and like it will feel pretty normal to you mm-hmm. to continue to operate at that level eventually. Yeah, 100%. Oh man, this has been awesome. I've learned a ton. <laughs> I'm definitely going to take what I've learned from you for when I actually open up my storefront. I'm very excited for that. I'm excited for when you open up yours too. I am too. It's it's in the works. We're starting to look at space. So we're, we're hoping, we're hoping to get there soon. Very exciting for sure. Thank you. So thank you again. And again, go check them out. What is it? Doe lady SLC or is it the doe lady? No, it's doe lady SLC on Instagram. Perfect. Go do that. Go order from her. And obviously You guys have learned a lot here, so take what you've learned and go apply it for your own businesses. Thank you. If you made it all the way through this episode, I am really grateful for you. And if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and subscribe button on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. That ensures that you never miss another episode moving forward. And it also helps us grow and reach more people who could benefit from this as well. And yes, I realize that I've now become like those YouTube people that say, if you like this video, please click the subscribe button down below. And I used to think they were annoying. And you probably think I'm annoying for saying it. But now I understand why they do it. And it's because they fully believe in the content they're sharing. Now, their content may be twerking cats, but the message is still the same. I fully believe in the content that I'm creating and sharing here with Freedom to Fail because I really want to be the best entrepreneur that I can be moving forward and I want to be able to help you all become the best entrepreneurs as well too. So again, it would be extremely helpful if you press the subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. And it's now Friday, which means that for most of us, we are off the clock and that means that we have a lot of free time to put towards reaching our dreams. So Don't just sit around and be lazy this weekend. Take at least a few actions towards making your dream life a reality. And until next week, keep failing your way towards achieving your dreams.